Hey, Brett, how's it going this week? Good, Anch. How are you doing? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank, the podcast where we talk about all things related to personal finance and a lot of shenanigans that we get up to. That's right. So, are you ready for your trivia question? Uh, I don't even know what the topic is yet, but let's go. So, well, a, a first, a pre pre-story um we actually got some listener email and i never tell you about listener email in real life i always wait to tell you on an episode but at the end of the one listener email she said i'm very excited for the next trivia question so we can't stop them now uh yeah they they may be confused (laughs) all right so do you know what the month of september is uh it is the ninth month of the year Nailed it. All right, let's continue uh, on. What else is it? Uh, no spend September. Well, that and? Uh, the month after your birthday? I don't know. Yeah, it's actually Life Insurance Awareness Month. Never would have gotten that ever. Yeah, I know. But th- guess what we're talking about today? Uh, awareness. Life insurance, oh, specifically. Okay, right. So we've actually dabbled in talking about life insurance in the past, but mostly just kind of here and there or snippets, or we talked about it and like planning for kids and if you should get them a whole life policy when they're younger. And we've briefly mentioned it for mortgages, but we've never really done a deep dive of life insurance. So I figured why not now, the month that we're supposed to be raising awareness for it, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's it's a good thing to talk about. I mean, we're a little bit more experienced in this. You are way more experience in this like i'm just dipping my toe in the water a little bit uh but i bet like anybody that i know i could go into a room and say you know raise your hand if you have ever bought life insurance and probably one person would raise their hand a very few people i know i think have ever like gone down that road and have like taken care of it yeah no i agree and um yeah i would say if you're dipping your toe in the water i know you love your analogies then i'm like jumping in off the high dive Uh, my backstory is, you know, I've mentioned it many times. My dad's a financial planner, but I've actually known about life insurance my entire life. Um, my dad's been a financial planner since I was born. He bought me a whole life policy when I was age zero. And he used to like take me to the fairs with him when he would, you know, set up to tell people about life insurance. And I remember when I was like, nine, you know, I was a really like chatty, mature kid. So I would like go up and be like, hi, are you guys here to like learn about life insurance? And then like people can't walk by the booth when it's like a nine-year-old with a balloon that's like, let me tell you about life insurance, right? So I'm sure that my dad loved that, you know. Um, but <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it is, so, you know, I have this like unique perspective of I've always known about it, so. Mm-hmm. And your grandpa was in that industry also, right? My grandpa also was in the life insurance industry. Um, he owned his own, you know, branch years ago and... All of my family members are in insurance in some capacity, as well as myself. I'm an actuary, so now I get to see the other side of the coin. So, yeah, to say I know a little bit about life insurance uh, would be a fair statement. And to say, I mean, so most people still don't know what an actuary is, right? So when you say you're on the other side of the table, you are helping, you are working inside an insurance-related company and helping them price their products or understand the, the products in general and how to shape them and how to do come up with offerings or there's there's a lot of different things that actuaries do inside of an insurance company but correct yeah but brett you're forgetting the first rule of being an actuary and that's we don't talk don't about. talk about actuary yeah no. no i kid um but it's 
yeah, you know, now I get to see kind of the inner workings and how these policies are created and, you know, how we go on supporting them as life insurance companies. And, you know, I will say that, you know, something about buying life insurance is it gives you a peace of mind. And I promise you, we are hard at work to make sure you have that peace of mind and you will get the money that you think you're going to get. You know, that's that's our job is to make sure that, you know, all of these customers are taken care of and and get the money that they they need to. So that's our number one priority as an insurance company. Mm-hmm. So we get a bad rap, but we're really not the bad guy. So let's dive in. Um, I think the the best place to start is talking about term life versus whole life, because I know I've mentioned whole life here already on the podcast, and some of you might be like, what the heck is she talking about? I will say, traditionally, whole life gets a really bad rap. Um, Basically, it is what it implies. When you buy that life insurance, you get it your entire life. You have that policy as long as you pay your premiums, which is like the annual amount that you owe to the insurance company. You have that insurance forever at the rate that you locked in at originally. And um, you have it until, you know, you die or you turn, I think, 120 now. Uh, So if you lived 120, they pay you anyways, which is (laughs) kind of fun. Uh, but you know, so for your whole life, you know, I think people are like, well, what do I, you know, what do I need whole life for? Why do I have insurance needs my entire life? Well, the average burial is actually pretty close to $10,000. And, you know, you never want to think about your own mortality. But when you do die someday, do you want that burden to be passed on to your loved ones? And for, you know, a few dollars a month, sometimes it's that cheap. Uh, you can you cannot have to pass that burden on, which is a pretty special thing. And so, so in a whole life policy, you said you've had one since you were age zero, right? Yes. And what's the difference between if I went to go buy one now in my, you know, early to mid thirties or versus my like sixties? You will pay a lot less the earlier you buy a whole life policy. So, and there's different ways you can structure the payment. A lot of times you can do a lump sum where you pay everything all at once. Uh, another really common plan is a 20 year payment. So you pay once a year for 20 years, or you can pay over the life of the contract. So that'll just change your payment amount. But um, you, the earlier you buy it, the cheaper it is because it's based off of your mortality. So if you buy a whole life when you're, you know, 99 and you're not projected to live much longer because that's a ripe old age, it's going to be very expensive for you because the insurance company is going, hey, you're going to get this payout you know, next year, right? Um, versus when you buy it at age zero, the the insurance company is looking at that saying, hey, you're really low risk because you're a newborn and you're, you know, you're expected to live till you're 85. And, you know, so your insurance is a lot cheaper. So the earlier you get it, the cheaper it is. And I think the important thing to remember is you don't have to get a lot of whole life. So you can get you know, a $10,000 policy or a $25,000 policy, and that will cover most of your end-of-life expenses. Um, And then, you know, some people get a little bit higher amounts. I personally have a little bit higher amounts, and I know we got you higher amount. And the reason for that is kind of all end-of-life planning. So um, you can do some cool things with it because they're, like, tax-free vehicles where, you know, my grandpa was in a nursing home and you have to spend down so much money for Medicare to kick in. and that, of, your, of your personal of, assets. Of your personal assets. But that way, his gift to my grandma was kind of, he got to like 
you know, preserve this amount that when he passed away, he knew his wife would be taken care of. And that meant a lot to him to know, like, his wife could continue to live in her home, you know, where she, her, her apartment um, after he passed away, that I knew that was very important for him. So um, that's the big two things that I kind of always emphasize with people with whole life is you want to cover your end of life expenses, which is your funeral. You don't want to pass that burden on to people. And maybe you want to leave a legacy for your loved ones. You know, I think because we've talked about it my entire life, that's kind of something that I don't think it's like very morbid to talk about. I think it's actually kind of reassuring to know like, if I die, my loved ones are taken care of. And I think that's like a really peaceful thought for a lot of people. Right. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what insurance is in in a nutshell, right? Whether it's from natural causes or whether, you know, you get smacked by the bus on the way to work tomorrow, right? Something like that. Yeah. So either way, it's a, it's a, it's literally an insurance policy against, um, you know, paying out for your family members or for somebody else um, in the event that something bad happens to you, right? Yep. That's the goal. People, that's what we want people to take away from buying insurance. Yes. Is there anything other than that of why I would get insurance yes. other than tax so, sheltering? I think we just talked about um, whole life and, you know, I kind of threw out the recommended amount there of 10 grand if you want to cover your funeral and maybe up to 25, 50 grand if you want some extra. And of course, this is all basic advice. You should, you know, find somebody who sells life insurance and they'll do a full needs-based analysis for you. Um, but that's a key phrase that I want people to keep in mind is a needs-based analysis. So that basically means they're going to look at what your needs are and give you kind of like a sheet of this is what we think is the right fit for you in your scenario. And the reason I bring that up, and I want to talk about term life a little bit too now, is there's a lot of financial gurus out there that I don't 100% agree with, and I won't call them out by name, um, but they typically say, don't ever buy whole life, which I, I don't agree with because I think a small amount of whole life makes a lot of sense for everybody. And then they say buy seven to 10 times your income of term life insurance and renew it every 10 years. Well, here's the problem with that. One, not everybody needs seven to 10 times their income. And two, renewing it every 10 years gets to be very, very expensive later in life. And if you have a renewal term, you are guaranteed to be able to renew your life insurance. But if you don't, let's say you get really sick, life insurance companies actually underwrite you. And if you have like a sickness or an illness, you might not be insurable or your premium will be very expensive, right? Like if you, you know, if I I got whole life at age zero, there was nothing wrong with me. Now let's say I'm, you know, 28 now and I get cancer, right? And then I go to an insurance company and I say, I want insurance now that I have cancer. Well, they can actually ask some medical questions. And if you have cancer, then they might say, hey, you only have four months to live. Like we're not gonna insure you, right? Mm -hmm. So- with, with term, right? Um, or whole life, if you don't. If you haven't, have it. if you hadn't bought it yes, before that, exactly. Right? Okay. So the re- the hard thing with saying just go buy term and renew it is you might not have that option. So that's why we say get a little bit of whole life and just keep that forever. Now term life, let's talk about that. Um, the financial experts say seven to ten times your income. I and I say experts loosely. Um, I actually don't agree with that and. You know, this is coming from the opinion of somebody who's been around insurance my whole life. So take it with a grain of salt. I'm not an expert. You know, I don't claim to be. But in my opinion, you should 
do a needs-based analysis. That is much more important. So what I mean by that is term life should actually replace your debt and maybe cover some future income. So let's take the example of, you know, a two-household family. So there's two parents and two kids, or so a four-person family. And let's say that the mom is the breadwinner, right? And the dad maybe stays home with the kids or maybe he works part-time. And let's say they have like $50,000 of credit card debt and they have $150,000 mortgage. So I would sit down and I would say, okay, $150,000 plus the $50,000 of debt. So you need at least $200,000 just to pay off your debt. And then since the husband's working part-time, maybe you want to provide some additional cushion to pad him so he can you know, exist for a few years before having to find full-time work. So, you know, because usually if your debts are paid off, you need a lot less money coming in anyways. So in that scenario, let's say that she makes $50,000 and then we add those two expenses up and she owes, you know, she wants $200,000 for that. And then maybe she wants another $100,000 on top of that to cover, you know, income for a little, for a small period of time. Well, that's that right there is, you know, six times her income. That's $300,000, not seven to 10 times. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes when people hear the seven to 10 times, that actually gets makes them a little scared. And then they they're looking at needing this million dollars of term life. And all of a sudden, it's too expensive. And they're like, I can't afford that. Well, maybe you don't need to maybe write down, you know, at the end of the day, even if she could only afford $200,000 worth of insurance, then her husband, at least, in the event that something happens to the breadwinner of that family, all of the debts paid off and he can still likely keep the house and keep his kids in that home, right? And so I think that's what we say, that's what we mean by doing a needs-based analysis. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense because why why would a multiplier work for across like all economic demographics and stages of life? Your income is going to change, your expenses are going to be a little bit more regulated. There's just two totally different values. So, right, why would I why would I have insurance that's going to cover my expenses or my debt based on my income, which right, it shouldn't be a full replacement. It shouldn't be a 7 to 10 times replacement of that necessarily. It just doesn't make sense 100% of the time. So, I I agree with that with that assessment, but yeah. And I, you know, I, I know like that's how my dad's always done it, which is why that's what I recommend. But it makes a lot more sense for the middle American person who, you know, like I said, if you go and try to get a million dollars of term insurance, it's going to depend on a lot of factors. So I'm not going to throw out an estimator, you know, fee here or price here, but it, it might be intimidating. And But if you can cut that by you know, 80% and get $200,000 of term insurance, that might go a really long way for your family in the event that something happens. And it's so much cheaper. Right. So who who would you trust to do kind of that needs-based analysis? Like who, who should you talk to about this? What should I go to any random popular insurance company? Should I go to a broker? Um, I mean, I in college, I went to I mean, I, I had one of my friends in college started working for an insurance company. He tried to sell me like an annuity. I sat, just sat down and talked with him, see what he had to offer, you know, try to help him get started. And yeah, tried to sell me an annuity. And he, uh, you know, I asked him what an annuity was at the time and he didn't have any idea. All right. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, I feel like not everybody is created equally as far as insurance sales go. 
Yeah, and that's very true. And, you know, the hard thing is I could sit here and say go to my dad because I think he's, like, literally the best person in this field. My totally unbiased opinion, of course. Um, But, uh, you know, unfortunately not everybody lives in Michigan, so not everyone can go to my dad. But if you do live in Michigan, go to my dad. I can get you his contact information. Um, But outside of that, you know, go to somebody who when you ask these questions, when you go to them and you say, what is an annuity, they can answer you. Um, you know, specifically for life insurance, I would recommend going to a life insurance agent or a financial planner who has been selling life insurance for a number of years and can answer your question. And I think if you go to one and you say, hey, you know, I was listening to this podcast and I want to do a needs-based analysis to figure out how much insurance I should get, if they don't know what you're talking about or they're like, oh no, we always just do a multiplier by your income, then call somebody else, right? Uh, It's definitely not something where you have to commit to the first person you go to. And it is a hard field because there's a lot of agents in the game and there's a lot of really, really great agents out there. But like any field, there's also some not great ones out there, right? So you do have to go in and ask questions and find the right fit for you. So unfortunately, I can't give a generic answer, but if you you know, if you look up life insurance companies, they will usually list their agents in your area. If you go to like locations, Mm -hmm. um, you can find agents in your area. And, you know, another, honestly, another really big thing is word of mouth. So you were kind of mentioning early on, you know, if you ask a room full of people who has life insurance, one guy might raise his hand. Well, then ask that guy, you know, who did you go through? Because, (laughs) The great thing about life insurance is when people have a good experience with a good planner, they are happy to tell you who they went to. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's my dad gets most of his business from word of mouth. So ask people, you know, just and, and I think in general, let's not be afraid to have these like dinner conversations when you're eating dinner with your friends and like ask them if they have life insurance and where they got it from. And, you know, if they don't have it, then maybe when you get it, you can pass on a referral. So, you know, that that just helps everybody, right? Is it kind of in the model of I should, you know, everybody creates, every company creates different products, right? That's the benefit of brokers because they work across multiple companies and depending on the outcome of your, you know, needs-based analysis, right? Your personal situation Company A and Company B may have very, very similar products, but one is clearly better for your exact circumstance, right? Yes. Um, so you should treat it like you treat like a buying a new furnace or a conditioner or fridge and like get multiple quotes and right. So this ask is around a little bit. A super good question. Um, so there's actually captive agents and independent agents. So captive agents work for one company. So think about your furnace dealer that only works with one brand. Right, because when we were getting a new furnace, there's certain guys that only work with one brand. That's a captive agent. They only sell for one life insurance company. Mm -hmm. So then you have to call 20 different agents to get 20 different quotes. Independent agents, on the other hand, and this is what we did for our homeowner's insurance, which we've talked about on a different episode, but independent agents can sell with 20 different companies. So by calling one person, you can get 20, they can run your analysis across 20 different companies and say this company has the right product for you at the best i mean to me that always seems like the right answer 
Yeah, and I, I would actually say more and more, we're shifting to more companies are doing independent agents. But captive agents back when like my grandpa used to sell life insurance was more the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the industry's evolved a lot in the last 50 years. And so that's another thing to keep in mind too. You know, sometimes people will tell you horror stories of insurance agents or sales guys. Um, and, you know, honestly, like they're not bad people and the industries have evolved a lot. And usually the problem comes down to people have a bad experience when they don't know what they bought and then they feel like they got screwed, right? And so my biggest thing is continue asking questions. That's what your agent is there for. That is their job is to make you feel comfortable and secure with your decision and honestly do like long-term financial planning to make sure you're set for life and uh, make sure you feel that way when you walk out of that meeting. You know, you don't want to walk away feeling like, oh, I don't exactly understand what I just bought. You know, you actually did the right thing sitting down with your friend and saying, well, what is an annuity, right? And if he can't answer that, then neither one of, he shouldn't be selling it and you shouldn't be buying it. Right, yeah. Yeah, not let alone what that specific annuity was doing, right? Yeah, because uh, annuity is a broad right. C that we could talk, I could talk about for hours, but nobody wants that. Okay. Um, so is there anything else we should know about insurance, uh, specifically, you know, life insurance? I don't think so. Should I do a quick recap, maybe? Sure. That'd be good. Okay. So we talked about whole life and term life. Whole life is something you have forever. Uh, term life is what you have for a period of time. Whole life. I was going to ask, um, whole life, we didn't clarify you only pay for a certain amount of time. You don't pay for the entire life of the policy, which is forever. I did mention that. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you so, can either pay a lump sum, you could do a defined period, or you can actually pay over the life of the contract for certain random so if I get So if I get when I'm zero years old, right, I could pay for it for 20 years and then I'd have it for the entire rest yes. of my life. So a lot of parents buy kids' policies and they actually do an 18-year payment plan so mm-hmm. that when the kid graduates from high school, they're like, all right, you're done. You have insurance forever. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's a very common thing. So yeah, whole life, term life. Term life you can have for a period of time. You can get one-year term, 10-year term. A really cool product is like a 30-year decreasing term that matches the debt left on your house so that no, at any point in time, your house would be paid off, which is a great option to look into for people. So whole life, we kind of recommend, you know, Minimum $10,000 kind of and up depending on your needs, right? So if you want to leave a legacy for people or whatever you want to do with it there. And then term life is where we recommend sitting down and kind of writing down all of your debts. And then also saying, okay, you know, I want to leave like a three-year income cushion as well. So what would the, you know, expense requirements be if the home was paid off and all of our debts were paid off, how much monthly do I want to leave? And then you can tack that on on top. So, you know, for a lot of, that's going to vary for a lot of people, kind of depending on their debt situation and everything. But it's really kind of important to sit down and figure out your own personal number and not just do a generic amount. And, you know, that's going to be the cheaper insurance because it, it can change over time, right? So maybe you get term life now and you have all this debt and so you get a higher amount but then in 10 years you actually get a reduced amount because your debt's been paid down right Mm -hmm. so 
that, you know, that's another really cool product that you can do a lot with. Having both is part of a whole complete financial picture. Um, I did want to mention, we won't really do a deep dive. There are other types of insurance out there. There's a universal life and a variable universal life with which without getting into too much detail, those are essentially whole life contracts, but they can grow like with the market in tax deferred accounts. So that can also be part of successful financial planning for your complete picture, depending on your goals. Um, but that's that's where agents can provide a lot of value add when they can kind of look at your scenario and recommend some of these more complex products. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's like a more of an investment strategy, right? Rather Correct. than like safety net type thinking. Right. Um, but one caveat with universal life that I did want to mention that I feel like me and my dad talk about a lot is if you don't need the life insurance aspect of it, then it's not necessarily a good investment, right? So you have to need the insurance piece and then you get like the investment bonus, you know? Okay. So um, just like a little point there and that piece of advice will apply to maybe like 1% 1% of our listeners, but that 1% is going to be helpful. Those guys that are trying so. to game the system and don't need life insurance. Yeah. yeah. Um, but all right, I think that covered most of it. If anybody has any questions about life insurance, I am happy to answer them. I know it's a confusing topic for a lot of people, and luckily it's not for me. So ask me questions, and I'll you know help you out for your scenario. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.